1: Welcome to Project Recovery, a podcast about addiction. More importantly, it's about recovery. I'm Casey Scott. That's Dr. Matt. Well, you know what they're saying. The what are they saying? Best me in 23.
4: <laughs> well, if it rhymes, it must be true.
1: Well, you know, Utahns in the world, they they love alliteration. You know what I mean? If it That's rolls off the tongue. Oh. Yeah. Get it done. That's that. <laughs> oh. See what I'm nice. doing there? Hey, Whoa. welcome back and uh welcome everybody into the new year. Uh, uh and I I I got to let you on a little update. Uh the last podcast I told you that this year I'm taking my health a little more seriously. Yes. And so I've already made an appointment. It's January 19th to check my blood, my numbers, my testosterone and then maybe see about the night of a thousand waterfalls the colonoscopy
4: the colonoscopy yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. i
1: thought i had until 50 which is two years away or well, about a year i think it's the night of a thousand hey, don't. mudslides yeah um but so but they're saying you're supposed to do it by 45 now
4: yeah yeah they lowered the age yeah and so i, I guess i'm gonna have to. and i that. had to do it so you should have to do it okay
1: that sounds fair uh so how was your new year's
4: it was good everything you thought and more it was actually really fun. We got together. Ashley and I went uh, and uh, hung out with friends, her sister and, and everybody, and just had a, a fun night hanging out like old people, you know?
1: Well, raise your hand if you were in Vegas and in bed by 9.30 on New Year's Eve.
4: What? Yeah. You didn't want to get out and walk around? And I walked around a little bit. Uh, see, like, the street performers? Uh, no, because we,
1: we were, so here's the deal. We were going to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Uh, and so we stopped in Vegas on New Year's Eve, then headed on to
4: Pasadena, and then came back. Were there a bunch of drunk U of U fans in the hotel in Vegas? Yeah, uh, yeah, quite a bit. That's actually why I quit taking my kids to U of U football games when they were little. We, we couldn't find a seat where we weren't around just belligerently drunk well, I think People. drinking
1: and uh, tailgating and football go hand yeah. in hand. Yeah. Uh, but the, we had to stay out in Henderson. And for those who don't uh, know, Henderson's yeah. kind of a suburb of Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, because everything was like $1,000. A
4: lot of soccer tournaments in the, in the the back in the day in Henderson. Yeah. yeah. So
1: we were at this place called Sunset Station. Oh, so. I've
4: been there. Yeah, uh, Sunset yeah. Station.
1: That had a bowling alley yep, and a, yep. a fat burger and stuff yep. like that. And so we walked around and my daughter goes, hey, how come you went to bed so early? I was like... Well, and I've talked about this on the podcast before. Like, I still like a party. I like the golden hour of a party. Now, if you're into photography, there's this golden hour, and golden hour is when everything is just perfect. The lighting and everything, and you go, it's it's either in the morning or in the evening, and it's just when everything is right.
4: It's a lighting thing. Yep.
1: But there's a golden hour when it comes to partying. Okay. And that's just when everything is right. And you know what I mean? People are still happy. Before it unravels. Before it unravels. And everybody's like, hey, I haven't seen you for a while. Good to see you. What's going on? Hugs and everything and catching up. And then after that golden hour, it just turns ugly.
4: Yeah.
1: And so Vegas gets ugly quick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and yeah, so Vegas
4: is kind of ugly twenty four seven. But so yeah, for I me, I
1: was like, I'm going to hang out. When we walked around, had some dinner, played a little at the tables. And at nine thirty, I looked at my girlfriend. But
4: you're a gambler, so that's kind of why I'm surprised you weren't out later. But, you but, like to gamble, but
1: to the point where they jack up the tables and it's amateur hour, so everybody's at the table. Mm. So what would normally be a five dollar table is a fifteen dollar table, and you're waiting in lines and you're playing with people who don't really understand the game, and so they're messing up the rhythm. I'm just. To be honest with you So I'm like I'm out So have we talked about Gambling addictions on this yeah, show? We yeah we
4: have We okay. have Yeah
1: and, and, But I walked away You did it But I do But I do like gambling uh, I, like, no, I like gambling on sports and, and stuff like that And so I was like ah, It's just not really my thing And then we got up early And we went on to Pasadena And, yeah. and had a great time uh, The thing that You asked me You said off air You said What did you like most About the Rose Bowl Right And I and I kind of stumbled On an answer I wasn't sure and in retrospect, thinking about it now, the fact that I got the chance to take my oldest daughter with me mm-hmm. down to the Rose Bowl, because I had to do some work for KSL TV down there. We right. did uh, the parade and, and talked to some fans and kind of talked about the road trip down there for those, because many did people- Did some grief
4: counseling afterwards. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, is the fact that the, the young lady who wrote that letter that went viral so many years ago, um, wanted to go hang out with her dad on new year's eve yeah that's I mean, pretty cool she brought her boyfriend i was gonna say she had some luggage with her right yeah her boyfriend yeah. um which is weird uh because they're both 18 Yeah, they're 18 you know and so right before we were getting ready to go i was talking to the lovely leslie and that's my girlfriend yeah and she was so what are the sleeping arrangements gonna be
4: i was just gonna ask
2: and
1: <laughs> i was like you know i i really haven't thought about that he can stay
4: in the car um and so my first I uh, Do you idea, like him? I do like him. Yeah? They, 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 they get along well. Uh, Other it, than the fact that she likes him, what do you like
1: about him? He's a hard worker. Okay. Uh, he's polite, uh, and he's up for just about anything. All right. And the main reason I like him, and I've told him Will this. Will he
4: look it, you in the eye, shake your hand, all yep, that stuff? Yep. And okay. the main
1: reason I like him is he makes my daughter happy. No, now, that is not the main reason. But here's it's what the shake in the hand and looking in the eye and, be and respectful. And I like that. But I went to him and when this first started I go, I like you cuz you make my daughter happy. If you make my daughter unhappy, I will not like you. You understand fair. that? That's and fair. and that's and that's one of those things where I held his hand and looked him in the eyes the whole time.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Said I'm just letting you know. That you're in good graces because... Was it one of those uncomfortable headshakes yes. where you wouldn't let go? Yes.
4: <laughs> I wish I'd have
1: seen that. So back to the room assignments. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, there were seven of us that went down, so we had two rooms. We had uh, lovely Leslie, uh, her two kids, and a friend, my girlfriend, my daughter, and her boyfriend. Okay. And so we had to figure out how to get seven people in two rooms. All right. right? Um, and make sure that everybody was happy. Nobody wants to sleep with the parents, um, but I'm paying, so somebody's got to. Right. Um, So my first idea was me and Ashton will sleep in the same bed.
4: Ashton's the boyfriend. Yeah. Okay.
1: And then I thought, that's probably not a good idea. Your little spoon? Uh, (laughs) He is taller than me. Okay. (laughs) But no, 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 no. Uh, So I was like, I'm probably not going to sleep in the same bed as my daughter's boyfriend. Yeah, that's Um, a little weird. So then I was like, well, maybe I'll make him sleep on the floor. You know, she gets to bed, he sleeps on the floor. And then I was like, well, that's, I mean, that's kind of rude. And then I thought, um, well, maybe I make his head be down by her feet, you know, but they can sleep in the same bed.
4: You need to watch Seinfeld.
1: And so I was, I haven't seen this one. So I was like, but that's, I mean, come on. And then I I was talking to my girlfriend and it's the same advice I give it to her when we're talking about her kids who are 19 and 22. I said, at this point, they're. Considered an adult. She's 18. What mm-hmm. am I going to do? Right. And, you know, I, I don't know what what's going on. So I just said, you're under the sheets. He's on top of the sheets. And I'm here and I'm a light sleeper.
4: So you're, you're like a double queen oh, or yeah, something? Oh, yeah, double queen. Yeah, okay. they were, so
1: they were in the room with us.
4: Yeah. Okay.
1: And so I said, and if I hear any nonsense, yeah. I'm going to throw punches and ask questions later.
4: Okay. All right. And he was cool. How'd it work out? I didn't throw any punches. You a snorer? Yeah. Did you keep them awake all night? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a pretty good snorer.
1: You know, why you just get another room? Because well, I'm already paying for two. I didn't want to pay for three.
4: <laughs> Come on. You're a big celebrity. No,
1: I'm not. And, I, and I'm notoriously cheap. If I could have
4: a coin purse, I would. Yeah.
1: But nobody has coin anymore. And that brings me to another thing. You're walking around Vegas where there's a lot of homeless and everybody wants change. I'm like, bro, you got to switch it up. Nobody's got change.
4: Got to get some Venmo. Yeah. Right?
1: But And that's hard to vent. I mean, so, I mean... But all in all, it was good. The best part about the Rose Bowl was hanging out with my family, being present in the moment, and doing something uh, that we'll never forget because although the the utes lost it was an experience we saw the rose bowl parade mm-hmm. uh we spent a lot of time talking listening to music and getting to know each other and so for that I think i'm very a road grateful trip
4: is great for getting to know people uh potentially at least i think you handled it well do you feel like you did yeah because you got to have that experience and you also got to interact with your boyfriend i think a lot of parents don't take the time to get to know their kids uh boyfriends or girlfriends yeah and i think that's a mistake
1: well, I, 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 I want to get to know him. Yeah.
4: Well, and, so you should have slept in the same bed with him. <laughs> no, I think you handled that pretty well. That sounds I, I all right mean, I didn't me. know what else yeah. to do. No, I, it's mean, it's I remember telling
1: my ex-wife. She's like, they what "Get was- the
4: roll away. They got the roll away? Oh. Could have pulled that in? Couch? Is there a couch in that room? No. no. Oh. The roll away would have been the key. Yeah, it's like 25 bucks usually, though. Vegas sticks you for everything.
1: Oh, my gosh.
4: Have we talked about how much I like Vegas? I love Vegas. Yeah, I know you do.
1: Hey, so you've got this uh, Minute thing that we're going to do. Uh, are you ready for it? Yeah, if we if you want to. I want to do it right now.
4: Okay. Well, I just thought it'd be fun to kind of check in on some mental health stuff, and so I have a couple little marijuana things, because I know- But you're calling this uh, a Mental Health Minute. Mental Health Minute. Because now you're doing TikToks for the university. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, if we still are, since China owns them and the governor said no.
1: Yeah, yeah. No. Okay, okay. But let's see what you got here for the Mental Health Minute.
4: Josh just had a heart attack. Yeah, he's like, no, no, no. So we got? All right, Mental Health Minute. Here we go. So a couple of things that I thought would be interesting to talk about. One is CBD. CBD's everywhere. Everybody's like, oh, CBD. That's cool. Everybody can have CBD.
1: And for me, CBD is just the new essential oil.
4: Yeah. Well, that's the problem is now the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, is pretty concerned about kind of what active ingredients of the CBD is doing in all these supplements and food additives. And so they're now, this is just a news report. It's not a study, that probably in 2023, they're going to start regulating uh, CBD. And there's a difference, I learned in reading through this, that CBD can come from marijuana or hemp. And there's a difference in the quality of CBD and well, what it Well, I know for some people
1: who, who, to you. who do CBD, there is yeah. some active marijuana
4: in some of that. Yeah, uh, it depends on which plant it comes from. You know, so people think marijuana and uh, what was the other one I just said? Hemp. Hemp. That they're the same. They're not the same. They're very similar, but they're not the same. Uh, and the, the the marijuana, if your CBD comes from marijuana, it's going to have more of an activating effect on you than if it comes from hemp.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna date myself, but do you remember the tea, the movie called My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Yeah, and uh, father who always sprayed Windex on everything. Yeah, that's pretty much CBD. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. There you go. He's <laughs> like, I got allergies. Have you tried
1: CBD? I got a bad knee. Have
4: you tried CBD? Yeah. So it's nonsense. Um, I mean, it does something, but what it does everybody, you know, it's snake oil of the modern era, and yeah. if, if that offends you, I'm sorry. But, you know, CBD needs to be regulated, and it looks like they are they think that it needs to be regulated now. So well, that that's was one fun. thing. What do you got for you us know. next? Okay. <laughs> you in a hurry? No. Going somewhere? No. All right. Um, so the next one is a little more serious, and oh. I, I'm curious if you... I'm going to quiz you guys. Everybody can. Everybody can. So we've
1: got our guests here, Amanda
4: and Trevor. So
1: if they know the answer. They can
4: jump in. They'll be my lifeline. Yeah. And Josh, he's post-COVID, so I don't know if his brain's working too well. But if he wants to jump in, he can. But here's in 2017. Mm -hmm. Good year. uh, All across the nation, there were 207 reports of children ages five or younger. Who accidentally ingested edible canna- cannabis? Mm-hmm. Right, so edibles. Yeah, right. And, and because so, they
1: make them like candy, so there's gummy, gummy bears, bears, there's gummy, gummy worms, worms there's, all that. So it yeah. looks like
4: candy. Yeah. And so people have them in their homes, and you know, probably legally, you can you can get them legally now in a lot of states, and uh, they have them in their homes. Two hundred and seven. Reports. Now it went up from twenty seventeen to twenty twenty one. That increased the number of calls, mm-hmm. worries about young kids under five ingesting edibles. Uh what do you how many cases? Two hundred and seven in twenty seventeen. How many do you think in twenty twenty-one? Ooh. I don't have to say in the thousands. I'm like twenty thousand. Twenty thousand? Yeah. Okay. Well you you jumped the shark on that. Oh. Three thousand fifty-four. I guess I should have let them guess. Yeah. Well, so in in stats numbers, that's a fourteen. 100% increase wow in just those years and most of those 97% were uh, hap- or 90% were in their own home mm-hmm. and 97% were in the like in homes generally mm-hmm. so they might have been visiting a friend or or a relative but 90% of those 3000 calls uh were happening in the kids own home. Well,
1: I know why because kids are super sooths you know I mean they 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 can find that stuff. I, I mean, I had an ability to find candy hidden in my house because it didn't matter where it was because you leave kids unattended, they're going to yeah. search everywhere looking for candy. I remember the one time I found baking chocolate thinking it was chocolate took oh, to a yeah. bite and I was like we all did that. this sucks. Yeah, it was terrible. But I I had to find it. I mean, yes. it was hidden behind some stuff, yeah. but I was willing behind to look behind stale
4: marshmallows. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, I I think what it really tells us is parents aren't locking up things that they need to lock up. We've known parents have done that forever with alcohol. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I work in a business where I know that they do that with guns, Mm -hmm. and that's pretty dangerous. But now with medical marijuana, I don't know, this doesn't even say medical marijuana. I'm going to assume these people you know, have a reason to have a bunch of gummies in their house, but they're not locking them up. And they, more than anything, look like candy. So a 1,400% increase in just those A few years, four years. it's
1: interesting that I think that all gummies would be considered medical marijuana because I don't think the average street dealer is sitting around making gummy worm marijuana. Right. It's probably
4: purchased for, you know.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's recreational, but it's, I mean, it's manufactured
4: by some company. Right. So it's really natural, huh? Anyway, um, (laughs) last thing that I have to say. Wow. Didn't even see that one coming. (laughs) Well, the the truth is I've had a hard week. Yeah. Because I've had to deal with uh, two different families in this last week where the parents wanted me to agree that it was okay that they were smoking weed with their kids. Now, what do you think about that? I don't think that's good at all. Guess what? What what do you guys think about that?
3: No, I don't think that's good.
4: You can disagree with me. I'll be nice to you.
3: No, I mean, what are you teaching your kids? Right. You know?
4: Well, it's what you're teaching them, right? But it's also what you're doing to their brain. Mm. And we forget the fact that, the brains are go through critical periods of development and they develop especially the frontal lobes which is your most human part like if you're going to be a successful adult your your frontal lobes need to be intact mm-hmm. and that's the last part of your brain to develop focus concentration reason problem solving and that doesn't fully develop until you're at 24, 25? 24 25 and so if you are smoking weed and one of them was a middle school kid
1: mm-hmm. and and i and i
4: I mean I don't know but
1: I can assume that the families are doing or thinking cuz
4: it's the same old logic from I'd the rather 70s have do and with 80s me than with some stranger with alcohol back in the day right yeah. remember when we were growing up and yeah. there was always some parent that was like well you can do it here we just don't want you to go somewhere else Yeah. and that's such a fundamental misunderstanding of what's happening when a, a young kids drinking alcohol and getting you know uh, wasted or a young kids learning to to smoke marijuana and it changes your synapses it does mm-hmm. and it's not a good change So, anyway, I'm a little sensitive this week on, like, this is everywhere. To the point that I saw that article and I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to bring up the fact that people are leaving marijuana gummies out and kids are eating them. Not just a little bit, but 1,400% increase in four years. That's insane. Yeah. Anyway. And then the last one, this is my favorite. This is from the Brazilian Longitudinal Study of Adult Health. So you know it's good. I haven't got my episode yet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. it's You, you should check it out. Um, and uh, I I want you to see if you can find the conspiracy theory in this. Okay. Vegetarians suffer more depression than meat eaters. Hmm. That's the study. The study's finding basically is that vegetarians suffer more depression than meat eaters. And it's from the Brazilian longitudinal study of adult health. Where's, hmm. where's the conspiracy theory in that? Hmm. Rodizio grill. I oh. think Rodizio grill probably spawned. No, I'm just I'll kidding.
1: tell you what. You take bacon away from anybody, they're yeah. depressed.
4: Well, actually, they go on to say that it may be more the vegetarian social experience. And uh or a depressed person actually may be more likely to become vegetarian for various reasons. I don't know. But I thought it was interesting.
1: Did they interview all these vegetarians at a barbecue? Because that's a depressing scene. <laughs> they were kinda of saying that. Like like a
4: lot of vegetarians get bummed out by watching like how meat is manufactured for people and all of that. But anyway, I just thought it was kind of interesting and fun. I like to know. it. I, I I all the vegetarians I know I was thinking about it that are pretty strict, they're pretty happy. So yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's a choice. It's perspective, Doctor Matt. Yeah. So there hey. you go. There's your mental health minute. Don't leave your uh you know your Gummies. gummy weed out and uh I and mean, if you're sad have some meat. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I I think that's a great segue to our guests. Yeah. And our guests today are married.
1: Uh, We've got Amanda and we've got Trevor Butterfield. uh, And their story is kind of unique in the fact that we're not going to go and talk about how they both got into addiction. We
4: usually go way back in a person's life and kind of start with the early stuff. But they have an interesting
1: They were both
4: addicts. Right. They got sober. Mm -hmm. They got together.
1: Right. They relapsed. Together. Together. Right. And At we, least once or twice.
0: Twice. Twice. Mm-hmm.
1: We're going to find out that part of this story. You're listening to Project Recovery. Stick
0: around. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, welcome back to Project Recovery. I'm Casey Scott. That's Dr. Matt Woolley. He's a clinical psychologist. And our guests today are married. They are married.
4: They are married. And um, they are a really nice couple. A
1: wonderful couple. Yeah. Um, and you guys met uh in recovery amanda how long were you sober before you met trevor
3: i was about two years sober
2: and trevor you were i had about five months something Mm -hmm. like four or five months
3: like 90 you were still in treatment
2: i was in treatment for 121 days oh yeah so to be fair it was like right towards the end so i had like four months Okay, and so you guys find each other
1: at sober softball. Sober softball, yeah. Sober Softball's a thing, guys. Yep. I, we yeah. haven't talked about it for a while, but uh, your face always lights up when we bring <laughs> up sober softball. Because I didn't softball. know people played softball sober. He got yeah. so
3: excited, and then when I
1: found out that that's a big deal, and yeah. I mean, this the the, the recovery community. Rallies behind sober softball. I mean, there's people that have been going for years. It's a big deal, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah. and, it, and it, it's cool because it's a cool community mm-hmm. where you'll see people from different houses. You you got to kind of it. It's kind of like high school sports mm-hmm. because when you go to a sober softball game, it's different recovery houses that have their teams. Mm-hmm. So you'll have a Pinnacle Recovery going against a Wasatch. You have, have like a Wasatch uniforms. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And so mm-hmm. it, it, it's kind of a thing. So you guys yeah. met at Sober, sober yeah. Softball.
2: Mm-hmm. Opposite teams. Mm-hmm. That's how we, we oh, met. Okay. I was yeah. catcher. Yeah, Our
3: versions of the story are very different, mm-hmm. just to be clear, even to this day. So yeah. eight years later, I feel like he was very uh, forthright. For, Is forthright? that the word? He was, What's just the word? was not a word. Yeah, thank you. He, he was, was forward he was and into you. flirting, right? Yeah, yeah. And he claims that I was like all over him, which... Which right. she knows to be accurate.
4: See, we have we have more fragile egos. That's awesome. We have totally. to sort of reinvent history to kind of fit that ego <laughs> totally. status. Yeah, yeah. So.
3: yeah.
1: Well, when you were gone. Trevor said you kept running into his base and you weren't even out on the field. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he literally yeah. was like
3: all slide butt first into first, <laughs> and I was like, "What is this? Okay, like go for it, make yourself look stupid." <laughs> I don't tell him care, what I did you know? after that. And then he actually hit a home run and, like, walked <laughs> the bases and was, like, staring me down every single base. I, and I couldn't I even say anything, you know?
1: So, it, it seems like it started out great.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yep. And then what happened? <laughs> Wait, who won the game? Oh, we did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay. My team was yeah. terrible.
3: Awful. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <They're> absolutely <laughs> garbage. Yeah. yeah.
4: Okay. Yeah. So you had to get that out of the
3: way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But you guys end up, uh, I guess, falling in love?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, uh, well, who
4: asked for whose number? Was it right at the game? Was it right like... Well, to be fair, I didn't have a phone. It was in treatment. Yeah, you know. But uh, I got you,
2: you gave me yours. Yeah, and I was calling her from the the house phone in treatment. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> While she was working at another yeah, facility, working, by yeah, the yeah, way. Yeah. So,
3: and I was like, this is so tacky, so cliche. So I was kind of like, oh, I can't tell anyone. You know, there's a, there's kind of like an unspoken rule. You got to wait a year at least. Sure. And so. I'm this person who has two years, and I'm like going for this newcomer who has, you know, a couple of days. I mean, a couple months, but it was. And so, for
1: those who don't know, uh, and I can speak from experience, when you're in a recovery center, uh, you get phone privileges on certain days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mine were on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sunday. Okay, and that's when I was allowed to call my family, uh, call ksl to see if i still had a job uh just you know what i mean to call you know court lawyers or whatever
4: Yeah, i don't remember you calling me
1: no because yeah yeah, no (laughs) so you were taking your time allotment for the phone and calling this girl you met at sober softball instead of lawyers and attorneys
2: yeah well i got lucky i yeah that's another story but um you have to get the numbers approved right Uh uh-huh through your therapist so she worked at a facility I told them that I was calling that number to get into a sober living. Which was and true. That was he the tried. He did try. <laughs> I did try. <laughs> uh, and again,
3: this is another story, of yeah. the, the like version of the story. He thinks I said that the clinical director said he couldn't come. I actually went to the clinical director and he was like, sorry no. he cannot come here. Because you guys are uh, dating.
4: That's probably not good. Well,
3: and he didn't know that, but he'd gone to that facility before and left against medical advice. Uh, he saw
4: him slide butt first into first yeah. base. Yeah, absolutely. He's
3: like, get him out of here. Yeah. So Oh <laughs> Yeah, but I did ask him. And he's like, you probably didn't even ask him. I was like, I actually I did. Don't think she did. <laughs> See?
1: Okay, yeah. so you guys, get, you get out of recovery, yeah. and you guys start dating.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Now, in the recovery world, they say the 13th step is yeah. a bad step, and that's dating somebody fresh out of right. recovery. Mm-hmm. They say to take a year time to kind of figure out who you are, get your bearings straight, and kind of get your side of the street cleaned up
4: before mm-hmm. you uh, go right. over to somebody mm-hmm. else's. Do you guys mm-hmm. think generally that's good advice?
3: 100%. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do, yeah. Yeah. I think it because especially where you come from, where you just have no idea, like my whole identity was using right it was like being on the streets and heroin and all that that and you know all that 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 in captures, and so to really get to know myself, like I didn't know what that was, and so especially, I think you know getting that validation, like it just is
4: well you're creating a new identity totally, and unless you come to your addiction later in life, most people start and are high in their addiction during their identity Mm -hmm. development times, Mm -hmm. right? Your teenagers and your early 20s, that's when a lot of people are heavy in their addiction. And that's when we're supposed to be figuring out who we are. So people come out of recovery and they're like, okay, I'm sober, Mm -hmm. but my identity has to change. But
1: I understand why an addict would think that dating somebody new in recovery is a good idea. Because in your head, well, you know, for... A lot of people I've talked to.
4: They can relate to me. They can
1: relate to me. their strength in numbers. Yeah. I'll hold you accountable. You'll hold me accountable. Right. It's like a gym buddy. You know what I mean? We're going to be accountability buddies. And, right. But we get to sleep with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But... <laughs> but the reality is, is that you're both so fragile, yeah. and so now,
4: right? So, so there, there may be some of that where you can support each other. Mm-hmm. Well, that's but, the,
1: that's the that's the sales pitch to get everybody into it. Right, right. Nobody ever talks about the bad. Is that if you fall, I'm more likely to fall.
4: So I have a feeling we get to talk about the mm-hmm. bad. So how did it go, guys? So we made it.
2: I made it to two years that time. So I made it. What's you know. Um,
3: Together. we together, were yeah, Two together. years
2: together sober after we started
4: dating. And did you, was it, like, to describe that relation. Like, were you living in your own places, doing your own thing, mm-hmm. or did yeah. you move in together right away? No, nope.
3: we had, I had my apartment, and he had, he was living with a group of his friends. Yep. And um, at that point, we were both working in the recovery community as well. Um,
2: Just getting started working yeah. in treatment. Mm-hmm.
3: You know. We still had separate, like, support groups and friend groups. So I feel like yeah. it was pretty pretty healthy considering so you, you didn't
4: rush right into mm-hmm.
2: like a, a committed in, relation. Yeah. Plain house yeah, 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 yeah totally no. totally i had seen that fail one too many times
3: mm-hmm.
2: and yeah. so you say you got about two years
1: together mm-hmm. yeah which it, that's awesome yeah right that's really good how does it not become good
3: so we i, moved I in together. yeah well yeah he, he
2: gonna was gonna go quick go. with the answer <laughs> she's
1: yeah. like we moved in together that
3: was the second time The first time I went to the Center for Change and had to have surgery, remember? So I've struggled with an eating disorder since before my addiction, even. And so I went to um, treatment at the Center for Change in Orem, which is an eating disorder. We've had them on
4: on the show, yeah. So I
3: went there. I mean, they're they're great.
4: Yeah. Totally. Wonderful program.
3: And uh, went there and had to have surgery. And so Trevor would come visit me and like, you know, even he was my number one support for that. He's... Had his two sisters both had eating disorders, so he just knew kind of how to support. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went there, was there for three almost four months. Yeah, four months, four. and then had to have surgery right after that from eating disorder behaviors. Complicated. So um, got put, was in the hospital for six days, was put on dilated and I purposely. Like, looking back, I purposely did not tell my doctor I was an addict. Like, there was something, in mm-hmm. that voice inside me was like, awesome, this is a freebie. You know, like, i I So you, you
4: remember oh, yeah. kind of holding mm-hmm. that information yep. back?
3: I'm yeah. four years sober. Well, and I remember, because the day of the surgery, my dad was like, hey, did you tell the doctor you're an addict? And I was like, well, no, I'm four years sober, like, why do I, almost four years, why do I need to do that, you know? And he was kind of like, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense.
1: But in your mind, it's like playing a game of Monopoly,
3: having yeah. to get
4: out of jail free card. Well, totally. let's back yeah.
3: to that whole prescription
4: thing, like, yeah. it, you know, like, we trust... And, and and this isn't a negative for docs, but like we trust the doctor, we trust the process. Mm-hmm. They're they're in charge, and so it's easy to get back in, you know, back into using prescriptions. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. So yep. they give you Dilaudid. Yep. And so then I got um, released with a prescription, and my parents. I moved back home at this point.
1: No, I, I, I'm naive, I guess, when it comes to this. Uh, Dilaudid is a, a pill. I, I always assumed it was a, an injectable. So
3: they gave me the. It they was, had
2: the, the line in. Yeah. Or they her, had when the she line, left, she got like a prescription oxy, for Percocet or something. Yeah, like whatever that, when it was. She left. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my uh, parents
3: had it, had the prescription because I was I moved back home. And so they had the prescriptions. They were kind of giving it to me. But when that when that script right now, I felt like I was in withdrawal. Like it was pretty crazy. I didn't I mean, I think I was on it for two or three weeks after yeah. they only gave me a short you know, amount, not a ton of pills. And I was like, I feel like crap, you know. And so um, but that's
4: that receptors thing. Totally. So your yeah. brain recognized that it's different mm-hmm. than if you had never had an opiate pain management medicine before that and that was the first time. But you had grown up using or grown up your brain had yeah. grown up or developed using it. And so it's it's kind of on it's mm-hmm. hypervigilant mm-hmm. and as soon as that gets back in your system, mm-hmm.
0: you know,
4: you've got pain receptors that are geared for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. So
4: it probably did you probably were going through yep. withdrawals. So prescription run out what does that
2: mean so for you? So then
3: we moved in together. That was what I was saying. Yeah. yeah. So then we moved in together, and it was within, like, not very long couple of weeks.
2: No, it was it was probably a month or two, because I was working
3: oh, yeah. in treatment. Yeah. I had yeah. just
2: left Wasatch, yeah. So, walk, so then- walk
1: me through the moment you guys look each other in the eye and decide. It's time. Yeah.
3: Well, I had moved home for tre- – not for treatment, but I got rid of my apartment while I was in treatment mm-hmm. and then moved home. And I love my parents, but we just did better when I was not – sure you know and i'm at this point 24 20 i'm like it's time and so i don't do you remember how that conversation went or what that was
2: i um we can't pinpoint it we've talked about this a lot to try and figure out the exact moment as to when it happened but it was kind of just a it it started with well she was saying she wasn't feeling good, or she hadn't felt good. Talking about,
3: I'm talking about moving in. Now you're talking about. No, yeah, yours. I'm oh. talking about
2: walking
1: through the time when you guys looked at each other in the eye and said, "We're going to relapse. We're going to relapse." Okay, yeah, okay. So that's
3: I'm what I'm with you. okay, sorry, sorry. And
2: we, I guess I don't remember how it started, but we went to go find pills. Well,
3: we drank first.
2: Oh, we drank first. Mm-hmm. That's right. We drank first,
3: and then the next day.
2: Which, like I said, I've hated the entire time. So when I drank, I was like, I, I don't even like this. So mm-hmm. why did I do it? And then the next day, I was like, Well, let's go find. We pills. already screwed up. Yeah. Might as well. It's that all or nothing mentality. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just that black or white thinking where I just go straight. Well, let's go find what we really like. Yeah. And there were no pills to be found. And, and we can just do
3: it once. We'll just do right. it the one time and we'll be good. Yeah. And then we'll like figure it That's all
4: out. The, isn't that just... It's insane. It's so cliche. but yeah. that in that moment when your brain is jonesing for that fix... Mm-hmm then that means something mm-hmm. real to you. Like, we'll just do it once. Mm-hmm. But that's a lie. Yeah. Everybody tells. It. But that's the but crazy you, yeah, thing is, is that you it. believe it. That you, yeah. like, Outside of the moment, it sounds silly. Yeah. But in that moment, it's like, this is a good idea. And I'm not, I wasn't there, but I bet you
1: guys looked at each other and goes, we'll just do it once. Yeah. yeah we'll just yeah. do it once. Yeah. Right. We can do, do that. Oh, we can totally do that. Mm-hmm. We've got this. And then you start touting all the stuff that you've done to get to this point. Totally. Not yeah. realizing that's the exact
2: reason why you shouldn't,
3: mm-hmm.
1: but you're using that as justification for why you should. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like, look, how far we've come. Come totally, on. Totally. One time. Yep. Just one time.
3: Yep.
2: And then, and then we were like, well, we couldn't get heroin if we wanted to, right? Because we've been uh, – she's been out of it for four years. I've been out of it for two. Out of the game. Out mm-hmm. of the game. But the game didn't change. <laughs> it was simple. Drive downtown, we had it in two minutes. Mm-hmm. Less than two minutes. And then it was just off and running from there.
3: And then the justification still come, right? Well, we're we're only smoking it right now, where we we really like to shoot it. So if we're just smoking, like, it's okay. Then it's it's okay. Yeah. Yeah.
4: You know what? I I think there are a lot of people here in Salt Lake who maybe if they were to hear you say that, wouldn't believe that you could drive downtown and get it in two minutes.
1: You mean on my way to walk to a jazz game, (laughs) I could score heroin? Mm -hmm. I think
4: think there's a huge percentage of of the population that has no idea – that it's that prevalent and that available,
3: mm-hmm. totally. and
4: it yeah. is. It is. If you're a person, I I will go, you know, out on a limb and let everybody know I've never bought heroin, Me neither. so I don't know oh, you. how you would do it. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but <laughs> I have been. Uh, I've worked with people long enough to know that it is available. Right now, if you want it, like Mm -hmm. you can have it right now. And Mm -hmm. I just think that's interesting. I think there are a lot of people in our community that need to be told that. Mm -hmm. Well, you think about it.
1: She just said she's been out of the game for four. He'd been out of the game for two years. Didn't think they could get it. And within minutes, Mm -hmm.
4: minutes, not hours. No, no, minutes. Minutes. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. not a big time commitment. No. It got some heroin. And then it was off to the races. But you're lying to your- But they were just smoking it. Yes.
3: Yes. That doesn't count. Yeah, Yeah, it doesn't count. Yep.
2: And then how does it progress from smoking it to shooting it? The guilt. I think the guilt and the shame and the lies and the um, trying, I mean, our family, my family lives in Seattle, right? Mm -hmm. I'll use this story as, as an example, so... We were – how long were we using for when that uh, happened?
3: Four or five months.
2: No, uh, Well, maybe. Yeah, because we,
3: we then started – we obviously lost our jobs in yeah. recovery, started serving tables. He was really good at <laughs> well, yeah,
2: stop it. Here, I love
1: how you go. We obviously <laughs> lost it. our jobs in recovery. <laughs> <Obviously>. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I quit prior.
3: Yeah, yeah. You did quit. I quit, I, I, quit prior, I waited until yeah. I was drug tested and the hair follicle, the whole thing. Well, I can't pee right now. Okay, well, then we'll go do yeah. a hair follicle Which is test. the okay, biggest great.
1: scam in drug testing history. I can't pee right totally. now. Totally, yeah. yeah, I can pee right now. <laughs> Compete pee whenever they yeah, want.
4: Right,
3: yeah. right, 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 I can't yeah. pee right now. And they're like, well, we can't wait around all day. So I'm like, well, what do you want to do? We could just skip it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, no, just go get your hair tested. And I was like, okay. And then I'm like thinking, well, I've dyed my hair, so like I should be all good, right? Like I don't know what I'm talking
0: about. <laughs> so mind.
3: yeah. So then we started serving tables and yeah. we were like both. I struggled with it. He was really good. And so then we had cash daily, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, I, I feel like it was probably maybe four months. Maybe. It might have
2: been four But we had, you know, all that money we were earning was going to drugs Mm -hmm. and we had just gotten a place together. So how were we explaining affording that, right? So, you know, I had reached out to my parents and they, okay, yeah, times are hard. We'll help you this time, you know, and it kind of spiraled down and and my mom had asked me, hey, um, are you guys doing okay? You know, you're not going around, you know, I'm from Seattle, but my entire family's out here. My parents are from Pleasant Grove, born and raised, so like extended family, everyone's here. So we weren't going around them anymore. And my grandma had noticed and um, said, yeah, we're doing fine. We're just busy with work, you know, all the excuses that everybody always says. And I'll never forget it was the middle of the day randomly. And I get a knock on the door and I was like instantly I'm like, oh, it's the cops. Yeah, yeah, we it, both right? are like, like we're not answering that. Yeah. I'm like, so if I'm we don't answer, answering. they'll go away. Totally, oh, they totally. just, it just kept knocking, <laughs> knocking. And I'm not even exaggerating when I say it was 20 minutes, 20 minutes it of just knocking, probably longer. And I get a text and it was my mom. And she said, I'm not leaving until you open the door.
4: So she had flown down. She had flown down. out, not said a word. She had no Mother's proof. Mother's intuition. Mother's mm-hmm. intuition. Yeah.
2: And that's exactly what it was. And I remember opening the door, and she just looked at me, and I started sobbing, right? And she said, let's get you help. And that's kind of where it started when we got sober again. Moms are the best. They are. You? Yeah, my mom is. That's hey,
1: sweet. you're listening to Project Recovery. This is Amanda and Trevor's story. We got more. Stick around. Hey, welcome back to Project Recovery. I'm Casey Scott. That's Dr. Matt Willer. Our guest today is Trevor and Amanda Butterfield. And uh, they just talked about uh, Trevor's mom flying across the country. Uh, knock, on her
4: intuition.
1: On intuition. Knocking on your door steadily for 20 to 30 minutes. She opens the door. You both cry. She said, let's get you help.
4: Yeah. So
2: we went to separate facilities. Um Well, wait, okay, so she said, let's get you guys help, and and she met Amanda as well? She met Amanda Mm -hmm, as well, mm -hmm. yeah. Um,
3: I had a really good relationship with them. Always have, you know, so they kind of, I feel like they kind of adopted me as a daughter, even when we were just dating, so...
2: And yeah, so it was, so do you guys go both. willingly or just the gig is up and you're like, "Yeah."
3: It was about, I think it was a week later. Yeah. I we think, went. Yeah, we, we got, were like, we need we had a to pack of days. up our whole yeah.
2: place. I mean, we did that whole leave in the middle of the night and deal with the consequences later, Yeah, you know, with the lease and all that good stuff, which took a long time to fix. But, um, we both went into treatment centers a week later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In and the same day. into separate treatment yep. centers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We went to separate treatment centers. Um, did and, you do that on purpose?
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah, Yeah. I I don't know of anywhere that will treat you both. Most of them won't. Yeah. Yeah,
4: Yeah, they're
2: not.
3: Well,
4: I know that. Oh. I just know that they. Capable of bending well, the truth at this do point. We,
3: do <laughs> we did that. We did that for a detox yeah. once way
4: back when. But
2: yeah. um, I went
3: in ten minutes before, kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then we
2: the are, second day, they're like, "We're like, yeah, we got to get out of here." <laughs> yeah. We're, we're like, sleeping we're, in the same bed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're
3: like, we're going to leave now, and they're like, "You guys can't leave together." I'm like, "Well, we came together. Yeah, yeah. you know? We are together."
2: And they were just sitting there, like, "What? Oh, the, how did you do that?" Yeah. Like, well, let us leave. Yeah, but uh, but I also bring it
4: up crazy. just because that also represents maybe a better mindset.
3: Totally. Like you guys yeah. were like, "Hey, mm-hmm.
4: we know we shouldn't try to
2: go mm-hmm, together for so, sure."
4: Yeah, and we were,
2: we were, we thought we were done, mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. really did because it was, you know, a short. You thought list. your relationship was done? Yeah. No. or uh, using, uh, loot drugs, using, yeah, yeah using. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had, we knew that the chances of us succeeding together in a relationship were slim to none. Mm-hmm. But we still were like, "Let's go focus on ourselves, figure out what we need to do, and we'll deal with it afterwards." Um, and I did 45 days. She did 30 days. She went to a different sober living. I went to a different sober living. Um, and then we spent a little bit of oh, and time. Well, my apart. therapist
3: made me break up with you my, yeah. while we were in there. Remember? Yeah, oh
2: yeah, yeah. He, he had her call me in, in the group. middle of process group. <laughs> it's and not break you; up with it's me. my therapist. In, yeah. Yeah, like, so in the middle of if process. I want group, this yeah, she,
4: everybody was
0: there. Everyone was
2: there. Yeah. yeah.
4: Wow. 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 So we've all been broken up with before, but not, <laughs> not in a speaker, process yeah. group on yeah. speaker. Yeah.
3: speaker Not my best. Yeah. Oh, rough.
2: it was awful. Yeah. <laughs> it was horrible. And it blindsided me. I just talked to her the night before. Yeah, I love you, baby. I'll see you when we get out. And then the next day, it's like we're done. Sorry about that. And I was like, all right, then. Um, it was awful, yeah. he says. But we only made it, what, a month apart? Yeah, literally. And then we were back together. Yeah. So then we had... Um, we were living separately, and we decided we would rent a place with our friend. So him he and his girlfriend... he was also girl- in recovery. he was also in recovery. Him and his girlfriend would live together, in, in and they would have their space, Con- and we would have our space. No, I'm talking about Drew. Oh. And so um, we had found out that we were pregnant Mm -hmm. and um i talk about when i when i tell my story or talk about it i talk about the what ifs or the if this happens that i've always had in the back of my head right and one of my what ifs was i will use if i happen to lose a kid or someone close to me dies and we ended up having a miscarriage so my mind it was in the back of it right and i automatically was like you had it loaded that's it I had set myself up for something that I had prayed would never happen and hope would never happen, but it was there. So instantly my reaction was, I'm going to go get high because this wasn't supposed to happen. And I couldn't deal, you and couldn't I, deal with it. And mm-hmm. we could, and we dealt with it separate mm-hmm. ways. Totally different. I couldn't different. hold
3: still. Like I couldn't, yeah. and I was 12 weeks, right? Like, so we were kind of through that excited part and due to my eating disorder behavior, I'd never thought I would, like I was told like your chances of having kids are low, you know, yeah. you've kind of wrecked. You've wreaked havoc on your body, you know, with drugs and the eating disorder stuff. And so we, I couldn't hold still. Like I was constantly going, and he just was like, I don't want to do anything, you yeah. know? So, so we were and like. And we had we,
2: just told our families, mm-hmm. and everybody, you know, was excited, and it just it hit us.
3: Yeah.
2: It hit us really hard. Well, that's
4: devastating.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So, so we, we relapsed.
3: Well, we broke up first. We broke up first, yeah. Got back together. Relapsed. We relapsed yeah.
2: We broke up over the miscarriage. You know, yeah. we were just kind of. Let's take some time to figure this out mm-hmm. separately. And then of course when we got back together we figured it out by using drugs. Mm-hmm. Um and so that that run didn't last very long.
3: Well we didn't our, get a treatment after that. No,
2: I'm saying our use. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm saying our use, that run of using when we relapsed didn't last super long. Um we were out for this time it might a couple months maybe. And we knew that we needed help, but at this point I was just off my parents' insurance. I didn't have a job, I wasn't insured. I didn't know where to go, Um, so I called um, the owner of a treatment center over and over and over. And I actually worked at the treatment center, Wasatch Recovery, Mm -hmm. Um, and I called Mark, the owner, for what probably three weeks straight.
3: Well, we need to. We found out we were expecting again,
2: but this was after I started calling Mark, so that's what I'm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Well, there's that. Um, <laughs> I started calling Mark for three weeks straight. No, not taking you. You used to work here. This is weird. I can't scholarship you. You can't do it. Amanda was trying to figure out what she was going to do too, and then we found out she was pregnant. And I was like, we have to figure something out because we, uh, you know, we're not going to be those parents that continue to use while mm-hmm. you're pregnant and put our this kid's life in jeopardy. We already lost one kid. We can't do anything um, to lose another. And it was so weird because we had found out and I had called Mark for three weeks at this point and I called him and he didn't answer. And I was like, he had answered every time and just basically told me no. And then Mm -hmm. hung up. Right. All of a sudden I get, we're sitting in the Smith's parking lot. I still remember. And Mark calls me and I was like, he said, you, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I will. If you're here by 10 AM tomorrow, you can come and I'll scholarship you treatment, um, Sober living, aftercare, all of that. And Amanda simultaneously, in the well, craziest way, out. had gotten a call to go to Idaho to go live with her cousin, who's also in recovery, to get sober out there. So we both had our separate paths, but we found an option to be able to get sober.
3: And at the time, we're homeless, Right, yeah, like that our friend that we yeah. were living with, with his girlfriend, they were like, you can't like, it's super hard to be around. Yeah. Like, you know, cause we're just hidden in our room using, right, so, so we're, we're homeless. We're like getting hotels every now and again. Yeah. We're sleeping in the car. We have our dog, yeah. um, just sleeping in the back, you know, we'd like make arrangements and just find somewhere safe to be, you know? So at this point we were like, okay, there's like, there's a little bit of hope. Like we yeah. kind of know the direction we're going to go. So, okay, now you So fast
2: forward, we go to treatment. Um, Amanda moves to Idaho. And towards the end of treatment, um, I didn't know what I was. I was going to go to sober living after, but Amanda was still in Idaho, and I'm sitting here. You know, I want to be there to be with her while she's pregnant, and you know, be there for the kid. But we didn't know. Um, you know, we had so many people telling us we wouldn't make it. Right? Yeah, and that, some, and that we
3: needed to put the baby up for adoption. Yeah, you and, know.
2: you know, you guys. Which-
3: logically that makes sense logically that like i could we could totally see like okay that makes sense but we also needed to make the decision you know Mm -hmm. and it didn't need to come from our parents or whoever else you know so what were you gonna
2: no no and that yeah so you we decided we're not putting her up for adoption it's not yeah it's, like i you
3: know. i was probably the hardest decision i ever made i prayed and prayed and prayed i talked to three different families like what am i doing it was so heavy because and i at the time you know we i had my first ultrasound appointment i you know come to find out it was like four and a half months along you know when when i got sober and so a lot of yeah. shame and guilt like i'm now that woman that's used while pregnant um what am i gonna do i don't i have literally a garbage bag of clothes to my name like how is this even gonna happen and um i talked to the three different families i would just sob like i couldn't it was so heavy and then and then my mom said something that my grandpa said um i, I was about maybe almost 60 days sober and she said god draws straight with crooked lines and i was like that's pretty crazy and it just kind of hit me and so i'm like well let's just like think of if i did keep this baby like what would that look like and even with that thought i had a friend who was like hey do you need baby clothes like i have a tub i'm not kidding It's like the tub is huge – all full of baby clothes, and then my cousin, who I was living with, was like, "Well, we could throw you a baby shower and do like a necessity shower, so they just bring diapers and wipes." And so they did that, and it was—I've never seen so many diapers in yeah. my life and wipes. We didn't
2: buy diapers for the first like for ten months. Ten months, ten months. Wow. wow, yeah,
4: that's a lot of diapers.
3: And so yeah, a lot of diapers. It's so we like it. Just I got a job where they offered me full time maternity leave. Like I worked there a week, and they were like, "Oh, I was like, by the way, I'm you know I'm expecting," and they were like, "Okay, no problem. Like we we actually really love what you're doing here, and we'll." Pay you full-time maternity leave and so wow. it was just pretty crazy like all of these things started happening i bought a car um my cousin had a friend and i bought a car for like five hundred dollars you know and it was like not a i mean it was a piece of crap but it wasn't you know yeah. it, it worked and it Like was it car. was it was safe yeah. and so um, everything was falling into place yeah, yeah. literally lining so up So
2: everything's falling in place for you but what about you trevor i'm sitting in sober living in an outpatient with you know, um, the people working there that I worked with that were my friends, mm-hmm. you know, going back to a treatment center with my community of people that I worked for and then going back in a client as a client was the most humbling thing I've ever done. Right. How did they treat you? They were hard. Mm-hmm. They I mean, Wasatch is a cutthroat program already as it is, but they turned it up times 10 for me, you know, and every I mean, the majority of people, they'll admit it to this day. If you ask them, they told me, do not move to Idaho. You're not going to you're not going to make it work. But there was one person there who the entire time never gave up, mm-hmm. you know, and he said, you know what? If you want to be there for that kid and you think that you can, um, you know, make it work with Amanda, he said, I support you. He said, you're going to have to do everything you can-, you can to make it work, right? And you're going to have to be on the same page and want it the same. He's like, there's so many different things that have to fall into place that you're probably going to fail. He said, but if you want to try, I support you. And I was sitting in a McDonald's drive-thru and I called Amanda and I said, Hey, we hadn't talked in probably a month at that point because we were taking some time. And I, you know, I just said, Hey, and she's like, I can't believe you're calling. I called my dad, you know, we talked for a little bit. I called my dad after and I said, Hey, dad, I'm moving to Idaho. And he said, This is the biggest mistake you're ever going to make or something like that, Mm -hmm. right? This is, you're an idiot. He's like, We love Amanda like our own, but you guys are just not good for each other. And I said, Well, here's the deal. That's what I'm doing. I said, So,
3: and tell him what you said. Because your dad Which always part? quotes this, because then you said, but that, that child deserves a dad.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I said, that child deserves a dad. Um, and I'm going to be there. Right. You know? And uh, my dad said, okay, if that's what you're going to do, um, I'll be there tomorrow. And he drove down, pack, helped me pack up the little bit that I had. In the meantime, Amanda happened to find a townhouse out there that was in our price range, and she had it all set up and was getting it ready. Um, within a week time frame, um, you know, I had moved. I moved down there. My dad stayed a couple of days, helped us get set up, and I was working, and she was working, and then um, we had a kid.
3: Yeah, you we know? had to meet with the NICU, right, yeah. like to make sure that everything she was going to be okay, and because you and, had been using uh-huh. a little bit before, I mean, yeah, 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 for four and a half in, months. So a, was a she good, full term? She was, was full term. Yeah. No so NICU, we we no. met at the NICU. My doctor was amazing. Zero shame. Like he was just amazing. Yeah. And she was born and if you look back at all the pictures, I just am sobbing. You know, she yeah. she was we got to take her home after two days. Like there was zero issues. I mean, and she is the sassiest, like yeah. funniest little four year old with red hair that you'll ever meet. Like yeah. she's she's it's crazy. It's it's out of this well, world. Well, she's
1: darling. You showed us the pictures yeah, of her. She's yeah. so Beautiful.
3: crazy. It's nuts.
1: So you move in, you're
2: both working in yeah. Idaho, uh, you're defying all the odds. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. you're winning at this point. Mm-hmm. We are winning. It was uh People couldn't believe it, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I was – I didn't know what I wanted to do. She was kind of – she Amanda was going back to school, decided to go back to school. So she was doing some online classes working um, and I ended up deciding to go to barber school. That's something that I had talked about doing Well, for we a long got time. married
3: before barber school. Oh, yeah.
2: We got married and barber school started a month later. Um, we came back here and got married with all our family and mm-hmm. friends and then – went back out to Idaho and the whole time we don't know anyone out there. Mm -hmm. Right. So we didn't really have a, you know, physical support Mm -hmm. system. We had people on the phone and people we talked to, but as you guys may know, when you leave, a lot of people don't reach out. Right. No. And you kind of find out who your real friends are. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and when I decided to do barber school, I just said I need to do something that is, I mean we're going to have to fall back on even if I end up hating it at least I have a trade that will never go anywhere mm-hmm. right so I completed barber school she's going to school um, and then I end up starting my own business a barbering a barber shop out in Idaho um, and we were doing that for a little bit and we came, and we would come back down and visit all the time right because this was where all our friends and family were so we'd make the drive and every time you know for the last. Two years, every time we would leave, our daughter would cry until we get to the Her border. Her and I both. Till we got to the border. And she'd say, why can't we just live here? You know, this is where our friend, my cousins, my grandma, everybody is. Why do we not live here? You know, and then I was thinking the for about six months prior to bringing it up to Amanda, I was thinking, I was like, I'm being so well, selfish.
3: You got, got pregnant with Bodie. Yeah. So now we're pregnant yes. with Bodie at this point. Yeah, we're pregnant with Bodie. With our son.
2: And we're still traveling back and forth. Um. And I and was like, it was after he was born. It was, it was the
3: last, the first trip we took with him. So he was like six weeks. Yeah. He got to meet grandparents. Like, it was just great. We came back home
2: and she's sobbing the whole way again. <laughs> and I was like, I'm being selfish. I was like, I'm selfish. I selfishly don't want to live in Idaho because my memories are so bad. You know what I mean? mean in I, Utah or sorry in Utah, yeah. in Utah, because my memories are so bad. Right. I was like, I didn't grow up here, but when I moved here, everything was drug related, whether it was recovery or I was Trevor the addict, Mm -hmm. right? So when I had moved to Idaho, I didn't even talk about who I was. Mm -hmm. The people that I met in barber school, the people that I met at jobs, they didn't even know I was an addict. I just Mm -hmm. went about my life and I wanted to reinvent myself, right? Well, that
4: conditioning is powerful. Like the, the strong feelings we have become associated with people, places, and events And when we change, then those people, places, and events can elicit back those old feelings. Mm -hmm. And so that makes 100% sense from a behavioral standpoint that, you know, coming back to Utah, you you went back. You even just named yourself Trevor the Addict, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So those feelings and thoughts would recur and that's that's a powerful thing i could see why you wouldn't want to come back
1: but you decide to pack up the family and move, move back back
2: yep we moved back um,
4: well
3: i got a job offer prior so we. Yeah. T- he brought it up he was like hey i kind of been thinking about utah and we were like we're never going to move okay. back you know so i'm like oh my gosh i'd been thinking about it too so i'm like why do you say that like i was convinced <laughs> he like i don't know it was so weird how we both kind of thought about it and so i reached out to my uncle and got a job and they were letting me work in idaho um, for a treatment center in Utah prior to us moving and so um we were like man it like got the job within us even bringing it up with so we brought it up and a week later I had the job yeah. you know so pretty crazy and so um we packed up the family and moved down um and it was like everything just aligned you know like housing is pretty it's pretty hard to find something like found like the perfect spot for us um our daughter Scotty was so excited. I mean, she was like, it was like a dream come true, you know? Yeah. We moved down, and he's like, he, Well, and you can tell him about you.
2: Well, and I was, I closed up the barber shop, um, and I was like, I'm going to cut here. I'll figure out something when I get down here. I have a couple friends that own barber shops down here. and When I got down here, I just didn't want to do it. I just didn't barber. At, at the time, I was just like, I, I don't want to have to rebuild my clientele. I don't want to have to restart from scratch. I was like, But I do love helping people. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going to poke, just kind of see what's out there as far as jobs go in the recovery field again. You know, it's what I know. It's I've done it before. And I reached out to one of my friends and he said, no, we don't have an opening right now. If we do, we'll let you know. But let me pass your info along. Within 20 minutes, I had a call from the job that I have now. And I went up and interviewed and got offered the job on the spot. And I I mean, it's just it's insane Mm -hmm. how quick everything you know, we trusted our gut. Everything mm-hmm. just came together. And, you know, our we had family members. You don't want to move back here. Yeah. You're going to hate it. Or, you know, Idaho's your safe place. This is where, you know, you guys change your life. Stay out there. Mm-hmm. But it's been nothing but blessing mm-hmm. since we moved back. We haven't regretted it one nope. minute, you know. How long have you been back in Utah? Since m- June. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so going
3: se- on. Ahead. Yeah. Seven months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: What I love about you guys is that you fought for your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were told there wasn't a good idea. Uh, but you said your daughter deserves a dad. Yeah, and you fought for him, and here you guys are once again defying all odds. Mm-hmm. And now you guys got how much sobriety underneath? We
3: just you? celebrated oh, five years on the fourteenth of December. Oh, uh, that's, that's awesome. amazing. Yep.
1: and you know what? What's great is that. Um, I have somebody who quit drinking when I did, and that was my dad, because mm-hmm. he didn't want to ask me to do something he wasn't sure if he could do. Wow. So me and my dad have the same sobriety date, and uh, you cool. guys have the same sobriety
2: mm-hmm. date. it 's awesome. Uh,
1: yeah. And I look at you guys, and I see how emotional Trevor gets, and I see the pride, yeah, Amanda, that you have every time you look over, and you see that man next to you, and it just fills my heart mm-hmm. so much. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And so you guys are both working in the recovery community. You've got two kids. Uh, and life seems to be going good.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's really good. Like I don't have any complaints. No,
2: it's been, it's been amazing being mm-hmm. back. Yeah.
1: So what advice would you have out there for those who are battling addiction, who might be in a situation similar to yours where they're uh, husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend or whatever it may be? Uh, what advice would you give them?
3: Well, I think for me, like when we got back together and we were bringing this child and we had those really hard conversations, you know, to the point where it's like if you use once meet me talking to him, you're out. If I use once, I'm out like it's not we're not putting this child at risk. And so I had to be I had to be selfish enough. But and that's kind of what my advice would be, is that you have to be willing um, to keep yourself safe, even if that meant I couldn't we could not stay together. It just so happened that he was in that exact same place. And so he was willing to have those hard conversations and to, to again, you know, if you're not, if you're not going to be sober, then you have to get out. He felt the same about our daughter and, and our life that that's that the weird thing about
1: boundaries is that, you know, boundaries are there to protect them and you,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know,
1: and most of the time we think it's just to protect them, but totally. you've also got to be able to protect you and what's important to you. And you've mm-hmm. got to, two little beautiful children in this yep. world yep. and both of you they, they deserve to have both of you mm-hmm. but they need to have one of
3: you yes. for sure yes yeah
2: and they don't they haven't and will never see us mm-hmm. hi you mm-hmm. know what i mean and that was a promise that we made to each other and to ourselves i mean looking at us now it's like life's good but it was hard mm-hmm. it was really hard and it was a lot of um hard hard conversations like you said but it was a lot of Figuring out who we were again, mm. doing it simultaneously in a state where we knew no one. You know what I mean? And it it, it being out there with nobody helped us rely on each other, mm. support each other. Um, we were the only ones for each other out mm. there. So we had to we had to push through.
1: Dr. Mount, what are your thoughts? I, I, this has been an amazing
4: episode. Oh, it's been a lot of fun.
1: I love the love. I love the candor. Yeah. I love everything about this. I
4: like how neither one of them can be on the same page of when a date <laughs> or time was. That's how you know it's but true that's love. How, that's how yeah. you know they're married. Yeah. And it's true love. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, I actually was thinking, and I think you just emphasized it, uh, Trevor, commitment mindset. So I'm a cognitive psychologist, and so our perspective, how we think about things, determines the rest of our experience most of the time. And when a person's struggling, when they're depressed, sometimes I say they have manure-colored glasses on because everything looks crappy, Mm -hmm. right? And so when we're struggling, when we're in addiction, when we're in depression, uh, we see all the challenges. We get hung up on real problems that are in our lives. When you have a commitment mindset to a positive change, the difference is the perspective. It's not that those problems and challenges go away. You just said, Trevor, it was really hard. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden you start to see these opportunities. You, you, you make the phone calls that magical things seem to happen afterwards. Like all this, we could say like, oh, once you guys got sober, everything good just started to fall into place. And in some ways it did. Yeah. But the, the bad stuff wasn't not there. It's just your commitment mindset shifts your perspective to where now you're so focused on the good things that that's what you're attracting in life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I would say today's, I mean, there's so many cool takeaways of being able to talk to you guys. You have a fun energy and, and, and I'm really impressed that you'd be willing to come on and share your story. But I hope people will realize that what you're t- saying is these good things will start to, steamroll in your life but it's because you have this commitment to change and I think having children helped you guys have that commitment and obviously you really like each other (laughs) so like you know your commitment to each other and and I think probably most importantly to yourself so Mm -hmm. thank you for demonstrating that because it's a hard principle to demonstrate because we usually just see like the outcome like oh you know you got the phone call and then you got the job and then the the Mm -hmm. car and you know all these things just kind of fell into place and it's like no 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 all the hard stuff was still there, but your perspective shifted because you were committed to that positive change, which mm-hmm. I think is a beautiful example of, and, of recovery. And they did the work.
1: Mm. Like you yeah. sit there and you talk about uh, Trevor sitting in the parking lot of Smith's yeah. and Mark calls him and yeah. he goes, I don't know why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe we don't know why he was doing this, but I'm pretty sure the three weeks of constant phone calls before right, like a, yeah, played a yeah, part in it. Off my back. So what yeah. I want to say is don't let yourself off the hook for not doing the work because you guys have done the mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. That's so much. We, 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 persistence is persistence. always pays off. you know. And, and that's what the people they say is that, you know, it's like, well, you know, you did the work to get there. Uh, you had to stay sober. You had to make the calls. You had to do this. You did the work. Yeah. The fact that that phone call and it was amazing and it came when you needed it was was awesome, but you did the work to put yourself yeah. in that situation mm-hmm. to be able to receive that
4: and he didn't squander the opportunity
1: yeah it did yeah. not squander the opportunity before we let you go. What recovery centers are you both working for just in case somebody wants to reach out to you guys or find out a little bit more about you
2: um I'm at Wasatch Crest treatment services up in heber city um we're a twenty bed facility up there um we're planning on opening an 18 bed female facility mm-hmm. over in Park City, Utah. Um, we're hoping beginning of February that it will be open. Um, you know, if you're struggling or a loved one's struggling, you can feel free to reach out to us. Um, our admissions line is 1 800 385 3507. Amanda, you are?
3: And I'm at Liberty Addiction Recovery soon. Um, I won't be there, but great program. Um, they're just a small facility in Bluffdale, so 12 beds. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
4: You guys are all over the state. Yeah, all
1: over.
3: Yeah,
4: I love it. I, I,
1: this is the best way to start a new year. Yes,
4: <laughs> I agree. I feel rejuvenated, better me in twenty three. Yeah, wow, it is tr- it's true. It's
1: true. That's alliteration. I love it. Hey, thank you guys for stopping by and listening to another podcast. We call it Project Recovery. In case you forgot, Project Recovery is what you know.
4: What in twenty twenty three? Yeah, it's a KSL podcast.
0: KSL does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on the program. Reliance on any information provided on the program is solely at your own risk. I'm Dave Colley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home.